Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsports. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and as is Tuesday tradition, Andy's over talking about golf at Bet- on Betsports Golf Feed. We bring in Mr. Matthew Rooney, and uh, you know, we're not going to jump right into the NBA right away, but you're very excited about Chicago sports here. I guess we'll start with you've got your Blackhawk shirt on. Have they traded Patrick Kane yet? Is that Are we done with that yet? Are you guys no, just going to have every draft pick? That's very likely going to happen tonight. Uh, I think due to the, the way the NHL salary cap works, and I, I'm not sure about the NBA's because really all salary caps are kind of really impossible to have a full understanding of. Um, and the, the NHL salary caps, uh, salary cap hits are prorated, and the Rangers are so incredibly backed up um, to the cap that like waiting until the the cal- until we get to um, after the business day today, like five o'clock Eastern, uh, waiting for tomorrow essentially, like. It makes Patrick Kane's hit just a little bit like fractionally more uh, palatable for them. So, yeah, it's going to happen very likely uh, either this afternoon, or I should say that for you will be this afternoon around 2 o'clock or so, uh, right right about 5 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Eastern It is when I expect the news to drop. That's what everybody seems to be saying, thinking. Uh, I, I kind of came to terms with it, though. Saturday was my, uh, Saturday was my, my day of mourning, the day I just kind of sat around, moped around, uh, let myself get all sad. Now I kind of expected it to happen then, honestly, with the rumors. And now I, I don't get me wrong. It's going to hit me like a ton of bricks when I see that official tweet from Elliot Friedman or whoever, whoever does break it first. Um, but I've, I've started to come to grips with it is happening. How are you feeling now? I'm looking at this tweet. You guys are basically the Oklahoma City Thunder of the NHL draft. You have two first-round picks the next three years, a couple seconds, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of thirds. What does that mean? I don't really have a good – you know, I know there's a couple really good players at the top of the draft every year for the NHL, but is the, is that does that excite you to be the team it, with it, all the draft picks? It for sure does. Uh, it's honest, It's similar to the NBA. Um, you know, some, day, some years you have lotteries that are loaded where, you know, you got five, six, seven guys you could see. Maybe the top two are the franchise changers, but, you know, you five picks – you know, four through seven, three through seven, whatever, are guys that you could see being perennial all-stars. And then some years he got one guy, and then that that's kind of about it. This year's draft seems to be one of those where you got Connor Bedard at the top, who's got all the hype in the world, but behind him you got two or three guys that could also be some franchise-altering guys. So if the Blackhawks can get themselves be bad enough to get into that spot, that's great. But then they also have these later first-round picks um, that, you know, Similar to the NBA, again, you can use either to make picks, you can use to move up in the draft, you can move to use uh, make moves to get players. And uh, I think yesterday they shipped out uh, Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty to Toronto. They got a 2025 first-round pick, so that's not this draft, not the next draft, the one after. And Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks general manager, essentially said, I'm not sure, it, there's probably some truth to it, probably somewhere in the middle, but he, he kind of said, yeah, like we're looking for some future first-round picks too because – in a couple of years, I think they're going, they kind of think they're going to be in a position where they might be wanting to use those first round picks to maybe go get players at a deadline, go move up in an off season, uh, go make some moves in an off season, move up in a draft or whatever. So the fact that they're spreading out all these picks over the next couple of years, uh, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. It seems like they have a future plan, a, you know, a three, four year plan, as opposed to what the previous regime did, um, which was wasting a core of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves back end of their primes and just kind of throwing stuff at the wall every offseason. 
you know, there's a process to everything, and maybe this is how you guys get where you're going. So this is our process. We're trusting the process. We're trusting the process. Got it. Got it. If, as long as tank hard for Bedard, just get me Bedard, <laughs> and we'll be all fine. Well, Patrick says Bedard's going to the Blues. I, I I can't imagine he actually knows that. But Patrick, I I understand the Blues are tanking, but buddy, look at the Blackhawks right now. Look at the Blue Jackets right now. I it's it's probably not going to happen for you unless you get really really lucky in a lottery. Yeah, weirdly, fingers crossed, you lose a lot. It's always a strange situation to be in. But let's jump into the day. Do you want to start with the NBA? Do you want to tell people how excited you are about the Bulls? I want, yeah, let's let's get your picks and then I want to get in. We'll, we'll talk, I'll ask you some questions about the Bulls because I'm, I'm letting myself get back in. I really am. Scott, by the way, does not like your wasting the core comment. Apparently, you guys won three Stanley Cups in six years. I'm not – so, okay, I'll, I'll clarify that. <laughs> three Stanley Cups in six years is unbelievable. That's awesome. And there, there's, I, it's, I got to experience it in my early 20s. Unbelievable. It oh, is good. Perfect. But if you look at teams like Boston, if you look at teams like Pittsburgh with Malkin and Crosby, when have they when have they ever during their you know run of being good? Washington, Washington I know is on the back end of it now, but they're not, they're not going to make the playoffs for the first time in a while they've all been active in the playoffs. They've all won playoff series. They've all made runs. Boston got to a Stanley Cup. Pittsburgh on the back end of Crosby and Malkin's won back-to-back cups. And I shouldn't say maybe the back end, but when they were, you know, 32-33. So while three and six was awesome, the fact that it got to be this bad this quickly um, really shows you how many bad decisions and how awfully the second half of this core was handled by, by Stan Bowman. So it was good, but it could have been great. Yes, it was very, it was unbelievable, and I know like, everything I could have, I'm asking for now is getting greedy. But if you look around the league at, like I said, the Boston's, the Pittsburgh's, the Washingtons, those teams didn't have drop-offs. Those teams were always competitive. Those teams always had chances to win playoff series, win Stanley Cups. The Blackhawks haven't won a playoff series since they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. And when you had Jonathan Taves, when you had Patrick Kane on your roster, when you had Duncan Keith for a few good years of him still being elite and you could not win a playoff series, you couldn't put a group around them when you let Artemi Panarin get traded for essentially next to nothing, um, that's a problem. That, that's, that's, that's a wasted, that's a bad job done on the second half of this, this core. This, this core is prime. Well, bad job there. Let's try to do a good job here. We'll jump yeah. into the NBA. Ten Let's stop depressing me. Tonight. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ten games tonight. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the Bulls here a little bit later, but to start with a couple of the games I didn't bet. You know, the Lakers, nine-point underdogs against the Grizzlies. The Lakers have been fantastic, but they're fantastic when they have LeBron James. That ankle is, does not look is good. Is he out for the year? Is that is that a thing? He's out tonight. He's out for at least a couple of weeks, and it's one of those situations where – only got 23 know. games left, they, right? So a couple weeks is at least half broke, of it. Yeah. They didn't say it was broken. They didn't say, like – I haven't heard high ankle sprain or anything really scary like that. So I'm sure that he's doing the hyperbaric chamber, stretching, yeah. ice, bubble wine bath. stuff, whatever. Yeah, whatever he's doing. And he's a freak. So uh, he probably should be out for most of the rest of the season. But I don't sleep on LeBron. Just the fact that he was able to finish that game the other night after doing it was amazing. So Pretty wild. It'll, we'll see. Maybe they could strap him up. But you can't bet the Lakers here, even getting nine points in Memphis. Bucks Nets should be a great game. Looks like Giannis is going to play. Might be a few too many points on the Nets, but I still don't really have a good handle on what they are with kind of this new team. Dan's Hawks, six and a half point favorites against the Wizards. I kind of like that. Looks like there'll be no Porzingis tonight. And the Wizards are sneakily tanking here at the end of the season. 
The Sacramento Kings, three-point favorites in Oklahoma City. They closed four and a half just two nights ago in the same situation, but looks like De'Aaron Fox might not be out. So that's kind of where you have the line movement there. Spurs, Jazz. Jazz are 10-point favorites. The Jazz should never be 10-point favorites. The Spurs should be getting 20 points in every game. So not really sure what you do in that situation other than let it go. You do what you did. You stay the hell away from it. That's right. Clippers are six and a half point favorites here over the Timberwolves, right where I had it. And then the Blazers, Warriors, Warriors four point favorites. Maybe a Warriors team total over. Maybe I'll add that later. But the two games I did bet, we'll start with the Houston Rockets. They're back at home. They're with they're playing against a really good team that is in a weird travel spot here. It's a one game trip from Denver. They go to Houston quickly tonight, come back to Denver to play again, um, I believe on Wednesday, maybe Thursday night. So strange travel spot. Denver has been a really poor first half team on the road. The Rockets, again, we know they don't win basketball games, but they know how to stay competitive here in the first half. They've been a great first half team, especially at home. So I really like this plus six. And if I like the plus six, I see a little value on the money line. So let's go back to the well here. I'm one and one on these, but, you know, plus 500, plus 550 both times. I'm also going to take the Rockets, not just plus six in the first half, but this first half full game. If you go around and look, it's in different sections everywhere. This particular one, I believe this was FanDuel's price, which you can find in the same game parlay section. It's the first half full game parlays. But basically, Rockets win the first half, Nuggets win the game. Plus 550, I love this number quite a bit now. Maybe there's a chance the Nuggets kind of rest some guys tonight and things get sloppy late. Maybe the Rockets somehow win a basketball game, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. I mean, if you pull up the Rockets schedule, Matt, it is one of the funniest things that I have ever seen. I've been all these red L's. So if you pull go to ESPN and you pull up the schedule, they have, you know, green W's, red L's, and it's just there's so much red. It just looks a lot like of L's. somebody's murdered this Rockets team. And, Really, they have. So, you know, I mean, maybe we'll get lucky again. Maybe it'll be some sort of foul nonsense like that Sacramento Kings game. But, yeah, give me Rockets first half plus six and the first half full game plus 550. And then the Indiana Pacers um, playing up against a Dallas Mavericks team that continues to struggle, continues to be pretty overrated at this point with two of their stars in terms of the market. The defense is just awful. That's what we saw the other night against the Lakers. I'm sorry, not the other night. That was a Sunday afternoon game. But. The Lakers basically down 24 points, I think, at the end of the first quarter. At some point, got to be down 27 points during the game. Come all the way back and win because you can get whatever you want at the basket against this Mavericks team. There is no one protecting the rim. There's generally nobody standing anywhere near the rim. And if you have a big that's you know pretty good at scoring, same thing. I mean, we saw Anthony Davis get buckets whenever he needed to. LeBron James putting his head down, getting the rim over and over and over again. And this Pacers team has a lot of great guards. Halliburton should have a good night tonight. Mathurin, even Duarte should be able to get to the basket. Miles Turner, a pretty solid big here. It's just a great matchup for them. But um, somebody is betting the Mavericks. Somebody very much disagrees with me on this. I don't know if maybe Tyrese Halliburton fell down the stairs this morning and got hurt. Or something like that, but it's one of those things where, and I've been talking to a couple of my friends. We all make this game, you know, six, maybe six and a half in terms of the Dallas Mavericks being favored. And that's if we really try to stretch it out. A lot of it started closer to five. There's, I grabbed eight and a half this morning. I'm looking at a nine right now, and there might even be a nine and a half or ten later. I'm going to go back and just add some more. I just, I love the spot for the Pacers, but you know, fingers crossed, Matt. Let's hope that I don't find out any news. And then the last yeah. game, you. I was gonna say I like I was gonna say I like that value, but it seems like there's a lot. And whenever you see star, you know, star-studded teams at the top like the Mavericks, who you know, know that's the trade happened a couple of weeks ago, but still trying to figure some things out. There, there's going to be some cracks there, and clearly there there still are because they're struggling a little bit. It's fun to score points, but you also have to keep the other team from scoring points. Exactly, people forget that. 
Last game we didn't talk about, your Bulls, four-and-a-half-point underdogs in Toronto. Toronto's been pretty fantastic at home, a little bit yeah. better with Pirtle, so I stayed away from this one. But good spot for your Bulls, and if you're looking for a first you know, scorer bet, I don't know if the list is floating around in the chat this morning or not, but give me both big men. Pirtle has been great. Uh, Vucevic, I think, has like the most first baskets of almost anybody in the league. He, at this point. He's so, crazy. He, I, I feel like if you bet Vuce first basket every game for the Bulls this year, you're, you're making some pretty good money. Um, yeah, I'm just – I'm back. Like the last couple, the last couple games, like I, I know it was against not the best competition. The Nets are fine. The Wizards, like you said, were without Porzingis and seem to be kind of tanking a little bit now. But they just look like they're playing with a little bit more energy than they have. The defense, which actually has been really good since the New Year, I think they're, I think they're defensively uh, first in points allowed since January first rolled around. But like they hold held two uh, two teams to under ninety points. Zach Levine's scoring a lot of points, but not only like, he's doing it efficiently. He's not doing it on nine of 23 shooting. He's doing it on 11 of 17. And I think it was 12 of 18. Like the way that they're playing just seems a lot more efficient. It seems a lot more sustainable. They've tweaked the starting lineup to have Caruso and Pat Beverly in there. So it really gives you, you know, as good of defense, uh, as, as good of a you know defensive lineup of guards as you can kind of have. Those two are both really responsible. It frees things up down low. And then honestly, I, I like Patrick Williams. I like Io Desunmu, but those guys are second unit guys in the NBA. And now those those two are able to kind of go more to their natural roles. Io can be a second unit point guard where he can actually thrive instead of trying to force things. Patrick Williams, he just doesn't play very well when he's in the starting lineup with Demar and, and Levine. He just defers way too often. This gives him a chance to get away from those guys, actually take a few more shots. He can hit threes when he's open, and the Bulls desperately need three-point shooting. Like Now that they're getting a little bit healthy, the, the Beverly move, the move to have Caruso in the starting lineup and drop Williams and and, uh, and Asumu back has been, like it seems sustainable. Now tonight, if they go out and lose by 30, I'm back off, like whatever. But if they win this game, I mean, the, they got the Pistons and the Pacers and the Suns. They can have a three-in-one week and kind of find themselves right back in this thing. I like it. I love the excitement. And, you know, maybe the full season bet isn't over. I have to go back and check. I think I may have Polish middle myself with a live regular season win under. But fingers crossed. I'm happy for you. I do want you Thank to you. be happy. It, has good it just gives me something to root for at this point. Like, I just I need something to keep my interest until, uh, you know, for the next month. And I think the Bulls are at least going to be capable of doing that. Uh, you know, it always keeps your interest. This hockey thing that, that people does. are on about. What do we got tonight? What are we looking at? I mean, I assume there's an over here. Are we laying? Have we got the point where we're going to lay two and a half goals yet? No, not yet. We do have a. We, we got a, We got a couple minus one and a halfs, and we have a. We have an emotional hedge on a future bet. Um, that's I had to do it, but we'll start with the actual games on the ice tonight. We're going to take the Lightning minus one and a half at the Panthers. The Panthers are without two of their their, their top center and Alexander Barkov. So I think it'll be a second or third straight game out. Sam Bennett is another center, talented center, going to miss uh, his, I think, fifth straight game uh, going up against the Lightning, who just made a move for Tanner Jennett. And he's not a great player, but it actually reminds me of people probably won't remember this. The Blackhawks traded Brandon Hagel to the Lightning last year, a player that was able to kind of round out, the, basically increase their depth a whole bunch, give them a you know, bottom six forward with some um, scoring prowess, but also play defensively responsible. That's what this move does for them. Just deepens their lineup a whole lot. The Lightning just got a lot deeper. The Panthers are without two of their better players. And this is a rivalry game. The Lightning are at home. This is a, a playoff push type stretch. And Tampa's good. They're going to make the playoffs, but like they're still in third in the division. I'm sure they want to make some moves up. And this is about the time, about time of year where, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning start to 
become the Tampa Bay Lightning. We know that's won three straight Eastern conferences. So give me the Lightning minus one and a half over the struggling Panthers at plus 130. Uh, Bruins minus one and a half at plus 198 at the Flames. The Bruins played last night. They're in the middle of a, of a West Coast and you know Western Canada road trip. Uh, they beat the Oilers three to two. It's a tough ask to go to Calgary here and then go and cover minus one and a half. But if someone can do it, it is Boston. Um, Boston's allowing under 2.1 goals per game this year, 2.09 goals per game allowed. Uh, they can score with the best of them. If they get into that kind of defensively responsible, we're going to slow this game down a little bit against Calgary. I think they can do that better than Calgary. I think they can score better than Calgary. And if you're going to give me two to one at, at the best team in the NHL by far right now to cover minus one and a half, I'll take it against the Flames team that's been wildly inconsistent all season. Uh, I really like taking the value with Boston at the spot. There's a reason it's plus 200, plus 198, because they played last night against an Edmonton team. They can take a lot out of you. They're really fast, but um, it's too much value for me to pass up on. And then I, I bet this over the weekend still hasn't moved. It probably won't even move that much after the the, um, the move for Patrick Kane becomes official because I think it's probably already somewhat adjusted for that. But the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup plus twelve hundred, I had to do it. I, I got I'm always going to root for Patrick Kane, but I really wanted to make myself do it from the start so I didn't have this morning period. So for the next however many months until uh, the season's over, I'm going to be a Rangers guy. Going to back the Rangers. Going to back Patrick Kane. Um, Patrick, I know you're a Blues fan. Vlad Tarasenko, Patrick King combining to win a cup. Let's do it. Let's go Rangers. But that Eastern Conference is going to be an absolute gauntlet. The Rangers are loading up. The Lightning are loading up. The Devils just made a big move. Uh, Boston's obviously really good. Carolina's going to make a move probably, but they're a really good uh, hockey team too. I almost said football team. Um, I'll, I'll get into a couple more NHL futures here after the deadline is official. I don't think there's a whole lot of value on Eastern Conference to you know, to or Eastern Conference teams to win the cup. The Rangers is an emotional hedge. The teams in the East are going to absolutely beat the hell out of each other in the playoffs. It's going to be a war to see who comes out of the Eastern Conference because there are legitimately five to six teams that can represent the East in the Stanley Cup, whereas the West, it's a little bit of a clear path. So I think your value is going to come from the Western Conference, but we'll get over there uh, a little bit uh, in the next in the coming days. If I'm on, I don't, I'm not sure who's on for you tomorrow, the day after, or in the coming weeks, coming Tuesdays and Fridays. But yeah, that's what I got. Give me the Rangers to win a Stanley Cup. Um, I will probably sad, sad slash happy cry watching Patrick Kane hoist the cup in another uniform. Oh, that'd be so cute. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get a picture of that. Sing, just single really tear, nice. single tear rolling down the cheek. Oh, that'd be so nice. Yeah. I'd be happy for both of you and Patrick. Thank and you. even the other Patrick. There's so many Patricks involved here. There really are. That's, it is. It's a big part of it. But we've got to do something here while we wait for all these trades to finish in the NHL and for Matt to figure out these bets. So why not some tennis? We've got a couple tournaments going on. Another tournament in Mexico, in Monterrey, and then a tournament up in Texas, in Austin. We'll start with Monterrey here. And, you know, it's kind of a theme here. It's There seems to be, uh, you know, it's something Andy always likes to point out. I've got to stay away. overs. Let's go. I've stayed away a little bit from full match totals. Not too many um, spreads or sides here, but yeah, these first half overs have been great, and we'll continue to go back to bat for these here. Uh, we'll start with Katarina Sidiakova against Camilla Rakamova. Um, again, kind of the same handicap I generally have for these. I think the full match total at twenty one and a half looks about right here. I just I think the market continues to struggle to price these sets. Given that, you know, the 21 and a half, they're trying to protect from three sets, things like that. I don't think they're really looking at kind of the rhythm of some of these matches. This just should be a classic 6-4, 7-5, 6-2 kind of thing here. 
Um, two women playing pretty solid tennis. Rakabova comes through, um, hasn't lost a match in about a week or so. Sidiakova coming off a nice long run here. So, look at over nine and a half, plus 110, looks really good. Nodia Patisaz Diaz um, against Wong. This one, Giyu. The nice part about the Wongs here is they're attached to other names. You don't have to know which Wong it is. Just look for the Patisaz Diaz match. Again, first set here, over nine and a half. Was able to find plus 100 here. Just seven fives littered all over the place. And um, not going to stack anything today. It's hard to find some of these lines given it's a smaller tournament. If you do have a chance, though, go ahead and grab over 10 and a half, honestly, for all of these if you have that up somewhere. The next one, Sasha Vickery against Wang Jianyu. We've got an end there, but again, just look for the Vickery match. First set over nine and a half, minus 105. This one's a little bit tougher. Sasha Vickery is a player that. Um, at a moment's notice, seems to just drop off a cliff in terms of her level. Um, and that's even in matches where she doesn't get injured. A very odd career for her, but hasn't played in the last couple of weeks. Has some good tennis under her belt. Again, generally pushes very hard. Wong, the better player in this match, but Vickery could really give her some trouble. And if that happens, it's going to be in the first set here. I think there's a great chance we see a tiebreaker. And then a parlay for us. Um, two women here playing. Donna uh, Vekic. Uh, we'll start here. Maybe a little bit more nervous about this one. Part of the reason we're getting value here is uh, Beckage has not yet played in Mexico where her opponent, Sorenko, comes in off qualifying. But Beckage, the much better player, um, you know, has a game and a style here that unless she makes too many mistakes, which she generally doesn't, Sorenko is really going to struggle to push past her. You know, I'm looking at the individual line on that. Beckage was minus 175. I had that closer to minus 230 almost. So like Beckage here quite a bit. And the Maria Camilla Osorio. Serrano, they pick in the Serrano off for some reason. Now she's just Maria Camilla Osorio. I like the four names better than the three, but um, playing some nice tennis. Generally does very well in Mexico. There's only a favorite around minus 135 or here against, um, I'm sorry, looking at the wrong name here. It's a favorite of minus 310 over Meyer Sharif. I had this closer to minus 450. She should absolutely pound Sharif, uh, who's generally a much better clay player and we're on hards this week. So um, a handful of first set overs and a parlay. And then the other tournament in Austin, Texas. If you're in Texas, drive over here. There's going to be some really great tennis, if not some, at least at the very least, some very nice looking women to watch play tennis. Um, Anna Collins, Gaia, Lauren Davis here, another first set over. Lauren Davis, first set overs have been fantastic. I think she's six four or better in something like seven of her last ten matches, which again, it's a lot bigger picture than that. There's a lot more going into that, but it's always nice to see when it actually kind of yields the results you're looking for. Again, um, a pretty solid hold here for both women. These courts have been it led to some longer sets so far, so like that quite a bit. And then another parlay here, Magda Lynette, um, the tournament favorite in what is kind of a funky week. Um, just minus two ninety against Mubarak or Cheva. Again, I had this closer to minus three eighty, so. Quite a bit of value there on the big favorite. We'll put her together with Diana Yastremska, who, uh, to be perfectly honest, if you go see if you can find her mom, her mom is really good. It's a beautiful family, the Yastremskas. So get over to Austin and check that out. She should have a, quite a bit of success against Alf, also known as Annalena Fritzum. Again, I like the ALM. She does have an Alf. I should look to her. She's kind of a funny person. But uh, Yastremska, the much better tennis player, uh, someone that we really liked to back a couple of years ago, has gone through this kind of strange period, but seems to be locked in this year. Um, was able to get this, you know, right around minus 175. I have it closer to 230. So um, a first set over in the parlay there as well as Austin. A whole bunch of tennis bets this afternoon. And there's people playing baseball. I walked by a TV and they were playing baseball. Yeah, we got it's spring. February. We got, we got spring. We're out in Arizona and Florida. It's it's warm there. First, and also, like I said it, but thank you for giving me plus money tennis bets. You know I love that. That's what I love. And I think, what, six out of your seven there were plus money. And I'm really happy that your internet worked because the backup plan was for me to read the tennis bets again. 
and judging from a lot of those names, would not have went very well today. Recognize some, but not all. I don't think it would have. Been if Hadi Saz Diaz would have been a good one. I've heard you say that one, so I think I could have gotten that one before. Like some, I can pick up on the context clues of you know remembering hearing you say that on Tuesday, but some I would have struggled with. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we got spring training baseball on our screen, um, and it's it's nice to see. It means it's the official like win total Tuesday, win total Tuesday. Well, I'm not here on Wednesdays usually, so win total Tuesday, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's like the it's the official. We're almost kind of through winter, not quite yet, but we're we're getting there. It's it's February 28th. Tomorrow's March 1st. It's basically spring already, even though the stands getting dumped on with snow up in Connecticut. Do have a couple win totals though. Um, it wouldn't be me if I didn't have a homer pick, but I do think there's some logic behind it. And then I do have an under, we'll start with the white Sox. I, I, I did want to get your Phillies on here, but I think a shocker Vegas, I think has it right with 88 and a half. Like, I think that's right on the money for them. And that division's going to be so good. I have no idea what's going to happen, even though they did get a lot better with adding Trey Turner. Uh, I'm going to take the white Sox over 83 and a half wins. They, they were 81 and 81 last year, and they did lose Jose Abreu. But they added Andrew Benintendi, who, while he's not the hitter Jose Abreu was, obviously, he makes their outfield defense a million times better. And now they go from a team in the outfield who had a gold glover, a gold glove caliber guy in Luis Robert in center field, surrounded by Andrew Vaughn playing out of position and Eloy Jimenez, who got hurt every five minutes out left. They now go to Luis Robert, gold glove caliber, and Andrew Benintendi and left another gold glove, gold glove caliber outfielder. So the defense got a whole lot better. Andrew Vaughn gets to go back to play for playing first base, uh, which is his natural position. I think it'll actually help him hitting a lot better too. And if you look at the White Sox um, issues last year, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Like there was not really one thing that really went right for them. Lucas Giolito fell off the face of the planet. Lance Lynn missed the first couple months. Obviously they missed Carlos Rodon. Uh, no one really had all that good years for them. And they were still 81 and 81 and right there down the stretch. So I think the, I think things kind of bouncing back to me. I'm not going to say they're going to win 90 games. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division, but I think 83 and a half, I think three more wins is, is very doable for them this year. And I, I cannot stress this enough. Tony Larusa is not managing their baseball team this year. I don't know if you guys heard that. He's not managing their baseball team this year. Uh, Pedro Grafala is. And from what I've heard, he does not actually. And from what I've, from what I've been reading and quite honestly, from the White Sox media has been, you know, fairly upfront and honest, or at least was towards the end of the La Russa era about kind of wondering what his approach exactly was, which ended up being nothing. Um, they're actually doing like drills at spring training with like a focus so on, weird. you know, defense and the fundamentals. And yeah, so it, it's wild. Like they're actually doing and working on some of the little things that really were the main reason that and a bunch of injuries caused them to be 81 and 81, which again, like I said, was everything went about as bad as possible. They were a 500 baseball team. So I think they can get over that 83 and a half. And I really like it plus money. And the Milwaukee Brewers are going to go under 85 and a half. Um, I think the Cardinals got better. Uh, with with Wilson Contreras, uh, Yadier Molina is a, a, a nice. Who was it? Was obviously he's a Hall of Famer, most likely a Cardinals legend. But you know, towards the end of his career, didn't really provide you much outside of defense. Wilson Contreras is going to provide them with another bat in that lineup. Obviously, they, they have two Hall of Famers in, in their infield already with Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Um, it doesn't really seem to matter who's in that starting rotation. They just have five really good ones. Uh, they're going to pitch the ball well. And, and the Cubs, too, got better. I don't think they're going to be uh, an 80-81 you know, 80, win team. But I think they're going to be better than what they had last year, which I think was 73-and-a-half or so right around there. I think they're going to be a little bit more of a problem. They're going to be a little bit friskier. And Milwaukee just didn't really 
do much in the off season. Uh, it seems like they also pissed off their ace and Corbin Burns over a hundred thousand dollars in, uh, in arbitration. So that's kind of going to be a, a lingering storyline there. Um, a team that underachieved last year just kind of stood pat. They do have really good pitching, um, but the, the offense just really isn't all that there for me. And I think 85 and a half to say that, say they're going to be the same as last year. I think they take a little bit of a step back. And I think that's kind of the Cardinals division as they cruise to it. So I like the under 85 and a half points there. Who is this Jordan Walker fellow? Uh, Patrick might have to fill me in on that one. I, I'm not as versed with the Cardinals prospect system and haven't done too big of a deep dive other than to know that I like them very much in that division this year. And honestly, I would probably sprinkle them uh, a little bit to win the NL. Maybe set the just, just a sprinkle. I like the like sprinkle. Yeah. Just all right, everybody. Sprinkle. I think that's all we have to cover. I'm not aware of any random soccer, but now is the time to bring it up because I only have a few more things to say before we wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for watching. Great job, uh, everybody, in the comments. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Drop a comment down there in the bottom, good, bad, or otherwise, anything. Just dump it down in there. Watch the, the Betsports Golf Shows today, too, today and tomorrow. They're, yeah. they're oh. killing it. They gave out another outright. They're fantastic. The boys will be back tomorrow. I'll see you on Friday.